Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Wednesday, the 14th of August, 2019. The crew coming up a 2-2 draw in the uh, first joining of the Hell is Real rivalry at the MLS level. 2-2 at the Moffray Stadium on Saturday night. We'll talk a little bit about that and a lot more. Big picture, well, the black and gold. Seven wins, 14 losses, and five draws. 26 points, 11th place in the Eastern Conference. Seven points behind seventh place Montreal with eight games to play and four teams to jump. They got work to do, to say the least. So you're telling me I've got a chance. I think if you look at it and you saw all those teams lose Saturday and then you see all those chances at the end of the game, oh. five points, you're, you know, you're talking about a, l- a little better of a chance and it just... All it right, doesn't look as good. Let's talk about Saturday night, last Saturday night. I had a blast. Standing room crowd. They, they were still selling standing room tickets when the game kicked off. Really good atmosphere. A nice clutch of Cincinnati fans were there, which is you'd expect. And uh, all of a sudden, it's 2 nothing visitors. And you're going like, oh, man. Jeez. Coaching debut for Cincinnati's guy. Ron Yons. I uh, believe that's how you pronounce the it. Third, the, Cincinnati came in with five wins and on their third coach. And they go up to nothing. Comes out in Columbus. Guns blazing. Yeah, he did. I um, mean that Maddox goal. It, we've seen that a lot this year. Just a guy go completely unmarked, a missed clearance, and boom, one nothing visitors. In any case, the crew did rally back, and uh, the coach was happy about that. They managed a two two draw. They probably should have won five to two. I think you could say that. I mean, they said that maybe six to two. I think uh, five conservatively. Jossie Zardes' shot is still floating somewhere in the in the hemisphere. They could have set a record for goals scored during second half stoppage time. Expected goals. Oh, don't even go XG. <laughs> yes, their XG in the in second half stoppage time was uh, a thousand. It was astronomical. But uh, that's a metric we'll, we'll have to work out some other time. What's new? You just came from crew practice. Uh, Jacob Myers, our our fine crew beat writer on Mike A race. We've got Patrick Flaherty at the dials. Our striker Kyle Robertson is not here today. International call up. He is called up to have lunch with his mom. News on the crew: just some injury updates. Hector Jimenez will be out close to a month. That's what Porter said. And you thought that the knee injury, like he had, I saw him in a whole leg cast on his, or not a cast, but a what, what do you call it? A brace, I it, guess, on the left leg, and he was on crutches. So, but I think the positive is there isn't a tear, and he could be back this season. All right. And then uh, you have Josh Williams, Waylon Francis, and Abubakar Keita still kind of day-to-day. Possible this week, though. Not ruled out. Coming up, it's another crew rivalry. The Trillium Israel Cup. The first leg is going to be played here in the crew stadium at 7.30 p.m. And that's before a couple weeks where they're on the road. Is that correct, Jacob? Yeah. After this game, they have five of their last seven games on the road, starting with a midweek at New York and then back down to uh, Cincinnati at Nippert. Yes, and that is, that's a Sunday game, 6 o'clock. And as Ben Ferry from uh, Pro Soccer USA just posted that, and I'm sure you season ticket holders out there know about this, and if you don't, you should be angry, but season ticket holders were, crew season ticket holders were made aware, according to Ben, that uh, via email that the MLS is putting on a rivalry week event called Standing Room Only 
to highlight the Ellis Real rivalry. That's Saturday the 24th from 7 to midnight at the Woodward Theater in Cincinnati. You have to RSVP. I haven't seen any of the literature on this, but um, there's going to be all kinds of fun and games and free beer. And that, there's also that always some, draws a crowd. There's going to be some free hotel rooms that I guess is first come, first serve, and they're probably already snapped up by now, depending on when that letter went out. Yeah, I assume you'll see more initiatives like this around the rivalry as it, as it keeps building. Well, that's a pretty good one. Seems pretty smart from both clubs. And, Jacob, I should ask you about this. I don't know if it came up at training, but Ben also had a story on Pro Soccer USA about Chris Cadden, one of the players the crew signed before the second international transfer window closed earlier this month. And uh, there's a question on compensation. He was out of contract, but since the league has agreed to adhere to FIFA rules regarding, what do you call it? The training compensation yeah, it's, fee? Yeah, uh, I'm looking for the it has terminology. To, it, it has to do with compensating teams that For develop, academy players. That, yeah, and Chris... Cadden was a, a mother wall player that and it could be anywhere between ten to sixty thousand dollars if if they're on the hook for it. So we're we're in a gray area with it, but it looks like that wasn't just a free agent signing. Yeah, it, I tried to do some digging around this when it first surfaced from Scottish outlets and, and the BBC. Essentially, well, before this one had even been a question be, before MLS decided to adopt this compensation rule in April. So now the question is, where do MLS teams fit in terms of the categories of different clubs? And I couldn't get a real definition on how clubs factor into the... Yeah, they haven't been rated. The league hasn't been rated yet. Correct. And there's a scale. So it's it's going to be somewhere from ten to $60,000, yeah, what look, I saw. Looking at the top league, like there are no Category 1 teams in the U.S., according to these FIFA guidelines. So you would think the top league in the United States would be a Category 2, but because they had just adopted this, it's still up in the air. And, and the crew, according to Ben's report and other reports, are, are claiming there's a they're a Category 4 team. Yeah, the cheap, they want to be cheap. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) and to another point of that is Oxford United, it seemed like Motherwell was upset with them because they were going to get Cadden outright, and then they didn't want to have to pay the fee, so they kind of found a roundabout way, if that's true. But yeah, it's just another international soccer rule that I'm trying to understand on the fly. Byzantine, yes. I haven't confirmed it on my own. The league has never agreed to, they've never signed on on this rule, not until this year. Right, and the Players Union had a pretty strong rebuke of it because they argued that it more monetizes the process of putting players into European markets instead of trying to develop them here and have them go into the first team. So there's that. Well, let's get back to Saturday night. It was uh, quite a spectacle. The lots were great. There was no idiocy. It was a lot of fun, I think, for both sides. And the draw didn't sit well with, uh, I think Cincinnati felt like they escaped with a point, which they did. And the crew, among the initial reactions was, man, those two points we left out there at this juncture, giving their tenuous hold on any kind of playoff hope, could wind up to be costly. Especially looking at the results across the league. Yeah, and I think, you know, we mentioned this a little bit, but normally if you go down to, first of all, you shouldn't have gone down to... 2-0 against the worst team in the league, period, at home. Yes, there's a little more in the rivalry game, but whatever. That and was no- stunning, too, because it, it happened so quickly and so early in the game. Yeah, and it was a lot of what we saw earlier in the season and not these four games in this stretch, but I think normally you're pretty happy if you come back from a two-goal deficit and tie it, but boy, just looking at those chances, how do you not think you drop two points? Well, they have to think that, that you know, to their credit, I guess. They are unbeaten five, 2-0-3, and, and they'll take that against Toronto 
which is also fighting for its playoff life. Yeah, it should be, you know, not to the same intensity. In terms of the play, I think you'll see a similar intensity with these two games. They're well-traveled teams who know a lot about each other. And obviously, as you said, they're fighting for their playoff lives. I got this question afterward, Mike, and I'm curious what you thought. Having the two Cincinnati games, like, have to wait until August till you get the first, and then two weeks later, you get another. Does that almost, like, kill it in a way? Or not kill it, but not have as much emotion into it? Uh, like, if you had a June game and then an August I game. think, sure, that would probably be preferable. I think the emotion's always going to be there. I think you also have to remember that, that this year's schedule was made prior to the new ownership taking office here in, in, in Columbus, so. That was something um, that Bez Pachenko mentioned to me, oh, which was in... The league was still in screw mode. Yeah. I mean, they were still just screwing the fans here. And and so, you know, again, that's that's the context is important. So what are you going to do? You just kind of shrug and move on to next year. You know, it's uh, their schedule and especially 2021. They're going to have a lot of say over their schedule. And I think that's a big part. That's probably we're not talking about a lot. The league owes them, man. You know, they owe the fans here after what they did to them with the schedule and a lot of other stuff. Should we mention Pedro Santos' strike? Oh, that was a... A little bit like the trap goal. A little like the trap goal, sure, sure. That was a screamer from about how... I estimated a 25 maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, looking, I mean, we've talked a lot about his play. He did not play well up until that point. A lot of his passes in the attacking third didn't find the players he was looking for, but a year ago, he would not have made a play like that to step up in a big time and, and make a goal like that. You were talking about it heading out of the building the other night. Do you sign him? I think, how do you not try to sign? Now, the question is, what's the salary going to be, right? At his current level, I think it's a shoe-in. Of course, you try to sign him. Mm-hmm. The club has an option at the end, so then they you know, negotiate from there. It all depends what he and his agent want, but if they can get around this level or even a little bit higher, but still buy him down with Tam, open up a DP spot, yeah, go for it. He has a career season. He's I, still not super, he's not old. He's in his 30s, but he's I, got years left. I agree, and you put him back out in the wing on the right side. and uh, yeah. They know. should have a 10 in place that you could do that at this point. You yeah, know? I mean, that's, that's probably the plan. If it's not, then uh, something's wrong. Now, that, that is the plan. I mean, they're probably going to make a splash with a 10, but, but in any case, they're going to they're gonna do something with that position. Yeah, I think they're in a place where they're going to lose David Akam, sure, but I think they got enough in place at the winger position. They can go ahead and add an attacking midfielder, and their midfield is pretty solid. What do you hear about Federico Higuaín, speaking of 10s? I haven't heard anything in particular. I saw the athletic story that said Bezpachenko is still kind of waiting to see how the injury, you know, how his recovery unfolds essentially, and see how he feels after that. So it doesn't sound like there have been any conversations so far. I would imagine maybe that's the last few weeks of the season. And it is tough when you're going through recovery because who knows, maybe he comes back and has like a like a rookie of the year arm, but for his leg, you know, that, that movie with the kid that, that ends up pitching for the Chicago Cubs. And maybe he has like a, you know, million dollar man. Well, a sorrow type resurrection. Sure. You know, uh, you're doing a fine job, but I miss Kyle. You miss Kyle, Patrick? Yeah. Kyle adds a lot to this program. He does. I owe him coffee. Well, I wouldn't say that. I just miss him. Oh. Um, Can I be both? Is there anything else housework-wise that you want to cover before we get on to questions? No, I think from here, you're just looking. Uh, what's the formation look like? I think. Who's definitely out. Uh, we got kind of, we'll start because that's kind of a, the first question that we have. Very well. So from Dan Nye, he says, any thoughts on our recent success in games and how it may or may not have anything to do with Guzman getting significantly less playing time? Also, was there an official shift? 
to a 4-4-2 when Williams subbed in Saturday. I'll take the last part first. Yeah, they they have been doing that starting when uh, Romario Williams subbed on against Chicago. They have been switching for a 4-4-2. I think, you know, they were always going to take Connor Maloney out. I was surprised he wasn't the first or second sub out. He was the last one. Yeah. And I mean, he held his own. I, I think there were, you know, some clear deficiencies on the defense with a few guys that are arguably four-string players at their positions, but they, they certainly held their own in the second half, got much better. So yeah, they have been switching to a 4-4-2 and they got another push off the bench and that is a huge positive for this club. Did they do that much under Burhalter? I didn't watch as much. He was, uh, generally speaking, conservative with his uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes criticized for, those, for the way he substituted. Yeah, um, I think they also have a lot more talent on the bench now than they maybe had in the last couple seasons. Would you agree? Yeah, depth-wise, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so they have been switching to it and certainly been getting a boost. And then on to V. Guzman, uh, he did have that knee injury, but he's been training ever since, and Artur has four starts in a row now or something like that. It seems like he's retaking a spot over Guzman. I still think you're going to see, especially in one of these three games in eight days coming up, Guzman will get a start. But well, Guzman was brought in. He's a Porter guy. Yeah. And, and I, when, when you bring in a guy like that, you maybe have reasons beyond X's and O's. I think he does. infiltrate. I mean, yeah. infiltrate's the wrong word, but he's going to uh, give what was a, a relatively intact locker room a little stir. And uh, I think what they found out, one of the things that happened, aside from the injury, is when he's not on the field, and in my estimation, the crew plays faster. I've noticed that I think Artur is a better, like, quote-unquote, box-to-box midfielder. I mean, you've seen the last couple games, he can clear those balls out of the defense. He's also link it, too. I mean... Uh, he is a better passer. I'd agree. Guzman can make those, like, stretch passes that Will Trapp can make to the boundaries and maybe play them in. He's not as quick and doesn't seem to have the stamina, per se, or, or drive that Artur has shown. At least I haven't seen it. Guzman is a more situational tackler, and and that has its benefits for sure. But Artur's played pretty well, and I think he's deserved to be back in there. And uh, Fian's got to like him taking a knock and... He's got a cut above his eye, and they pull him off, and he's, he's kind of like cut me, Mick, and then they just tape him up like a mummy. And then wasn't it a... Trot da- him back out there until they can get a butterfly on him at halftime. David Akam stepping on the forehead of one of those guys who tried oh, to yeah. tackle him from behind. Yeah, how about that? I mean, we It was a heck of a shot. There's Akam. You wrote about it. It should have like, been a red, right? I, I it's think like so. a clear path found NBA. I think so, yeah. Um, but there, you could question whether or not there was a defender that had an angle on him, so which is a mitigating factor. Uh, but I'll leave that to all the crew soccer experts. I thought it should have been a red, but in any case, it wasn't. But two guys try, tried to pull him down. One guy with a clothesline, the other with a, a shirt tug, double-handed from behind, and uh, he just kept going. That was one of those where, if not for other circumstances, you would have said, oh, man, what if, you know, because the other circumstances were Jossie's artist probably should have had three goals in stoppage time. I'm, you know, it's like, you know, so that mitigates. But that was a crazy play. It was, it was a, just a wild last five minutes of that game. Crazy. Cincinnati just hanging on, you know? Literally hanging on by the hips of David Akam and the shoulders. I basically want to ask this one because, one, I'm sure it's just an inside joke among crew fans because there seems to be a plenty of those. Morgan Hughes asks, who is hashtag TIFO sweat? I really just wanted to say that because I want to know how TIFO got its name. Does it stand for something? No, TIFO is... I know what it is. Soccer term for, you know... 
How did it get its start? Why is it called a well, TIFO? Morgan Hughes gave it that name, and uh, international soccer adopted it. Okay. Is that what we'll go with? Sure. Okay. If anyone actually knows the truth or wants to back up Mike's it has thing, to, they can tweet at me. It's probably a, a word in another language that stands for poster or something like that. Uh, that's my guess, but... We should look it up, or I, I will. You should know. You say Red Bull. I say Red Bulls. I went back and looked at that article, and it said Red Bulls. That was edited. All right. What's the next question? It says, if this first version of hell is real was a food, what food would it be? Oh, we're getting the food questions again? I think we're just kind of stuck with this one, right? Right. All right, we'll we'll say it's it's an Arby's roast beef sandwich. I'll go that? I'll go chicken parm. How about that? I'll we'll just keep them happy. You don't know about Arby's. What are the crew's plans with Eddie Apoku and an idea on if the team is looking to bring back Pedro next year? How long can pizza be left sitting out while still being safe to consume? Like days. Days? Depending. At that point, it might be growing mold on it, right? Well, that's, that's what they make penicillin out of. So one of my favorite what out of mold? Yeah. That's news to me. One of my favorite stories of, this is way off track, but when I was a manager for the- Is this going to be a good story? Yeah, it's funny. It's uh-huh. it's it's like very short. I can keep it short. There was a player who put in a pizza pizza into the microwave for four minutes one time. I just, how long do you put pizza pizza into the microwave? 45 seconds? Maybe? Dude, I don't microwave pizza. Just eat it cold? It's disgusting. How is that? You want it warm. I eat broil it or, or throw it in or bake it for All right, I'll get us back on track. Uh, Eddie Opoku had a goal for Birmingham Get this us week. back on track. Get yourself. Get a grip, man. I, I like talking, talking about, about these questions. Pizza, pizza. Yeah. It's awful. Anyone that buys Little Caesar should be ostracized. Well, you should eat it all in one, one sitting. All right, if, now, come on. Next question. Eddie Opoku scored a goal with Birmingham. Their plans with him, he's... You know, a depth guy. I don't I don't know if he'll factor in too much in the future. He's still really young. As far as Pedro, if they're looking to bring him back, I haven't heard anything, but he's having a career year. I would assume they want him back. It's a money and position thing. Right. He could fill both bills. Right. As we talked about. When is the deadline to sign players no longer under contract? Given the injuries, are they looking for another defender? September 15th. I thought it was August 30th. I can, I'll look that up, but it's one of those dates. That was was the GM who dropped the September 15th on me, and he wrote the rules. <laughs> the other part of the question, I'll leave you th- this to you, Mike, while I look at this. Given the injuries, are they looking for another defender, do you think? I don't know. Do they need another defender? I think they might have looked for one. How's at Josh the, Williams? Is yeah, he ready? If he's... I mean, they can't do anything about it right now. But I think more in the future, you look at... I think Josh Williams is a fantastic depth guy. Maybe they need another center back, but then Abub Karkata has played really well as well. I think they're talking about in the context of this year, given the... Way the question oh, there! I don't. I don't think they're going to was preface do one. Yeah, the I rest would, of this year. If I had, to, if I had to make a prediction, I'd say I don't think they're going to sign a defenseman by the deadline. Whatever, it, whatever the deadline may be, it's August thirtieth to get guys that are no longer under contract because that's when you have to submit your roster for the rest of the season. All right, August thirtieth. How concerning are the backline issues, and are they looking sure up in the winter window? Winter window, I would say probably. I think there'll be plenty of guys they don't renew their contracts and maybe get a few guys like that. I mean, you look at the center back position, they they don't have a left-footed center back except Abub Karkato, so maybe that's something they're looking at. Fair enough. Does Mokhtar get the start on Saturday? He played pretty well when he came on. Uh, Eunice Mokhtar in his first appearance. He's he still, he still... You noticed him. Absolutely. I mean, he should have had the assist on right. the game-winning goal. Right. I don't think he'll start just because, you look, he, he didn't 
play a ton this past year. I think he was in the Netherlands. I can't remember exactly where he was, but he came in in an offseason. It's going to take some time for those guys to get fit. Oh, here's one thing we forgot to uh, mention about the Experience Center that Tim Bezpachenko told me, and I reported this weekend at uh, Dispatch.com. What do you expect to see in this upcoming Experience Center opening in the short north? So they haven't finalized on a position, but they're looking in the short north. It's likely going to be there. The way it was described to me is a place people are going to want to, quote, come and hang out, I think was the phrase. So I don't know if that means means free beer a bar in there yeah uh and it's they should get a look at some things that are going to go inside the stadium i would imagine maybe some merchandise too like apparel to me the number one thing about this experience center is if you're walking in the short north and you see you know above the cruise place yeah exactly just with a flag just an imprint that we're here we're here to stay i mean we've we still hear stories of people have no idea that the team's still here so clearly this would be a big i would think a big step in that direction given the type of people that wander in the short north that those are the same people that go to these games or the same demographics at least sure a lot of boutiques down there is the ownership group looking to add a few local famous investors like other teams have been to help draw attention to the team? I think that kind of comes from the what the Sounders announced a lot of new ownership, and Russell Wilson was one of them. I'm a big fan of getting celebrities to be part of your team, like like Will Ferrell and LAFC, just to get get attention. I haven't well, heard anything. I would say that Will Ferrell is one of what thirty investors in that team. Right. I don't see that and, being and that the is not the model. That's right. not the model here. The model here is the Haslam's have a majority and the Edwards family has a minority ownership. Yeah. So, and I don't know what the exact breakdown is, but the Edwards family had to, it was a 30% stake that they had to uh, commit to before they went out and recruited the Haslam's to, to be majority owners. Again, I don't know if it's 50 or 60, you know, or whatever that the majority, but I don't think that the Haslam's are about to, we'll see how the finances go. It's better to share your risk than assume it all yourself. But I don't think at this point, and this is just me talking, but I don't think at this point that the ownership of the crew is looking to expand. Yeah, I think, too, you look at the Haslam sports group. They have a lot of people. Yeah, they do. Right. And uh, they're still adding staff. And they're, they're also handling all the all the legal stuff and negotiations regarding all the stuff that's going on with uh, the new stadium and the, and the community sports park slash training facility. So, mm-hmm. and OBETs, you know, so that's been handled at the highest level by the Haslam Sports Group, right up to the COO. So in any case, if you've just gone through what this franchise has gone through over the last previous 18, 19 months, and you're looking ahead at another two years to ramping up to open a brand new stadium and redo your training facility. I don't know if this is the time that you look for ownership group or if you want to. Maybe it is. So I think up until this point, they've been patching holes. And kind of what Bez was telling me is it took them four or five months just to get the proper staff they needed. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they recently hired Steve Lyons, who I don't know right. if we talked about That's that. That's a good recently. hire. It's a, great, a good hire. great hire. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk to him before the game, so maybe a story shortly. But yeah, they filled these holes now to, okay, now we're going to start to show the fans what we're doing with our ideas. And that's what Bezbachenko said early as this fall. The fans in the city are going to start to see the investments they make. Which wing does Yunus Mokhtar prefer to play, right or left? I'll have a story on him later this 
this week. He can kind of do any. He also roams in the middle. Uh, that's why I was a little surprised to see Argudo, Santos, and Mokhtar all out there at the same time. They are all like kind it? of did pocket like, players. Did you like it? I liked it better when Akam was in there. I think all in all, like there was, they weren't completely functional, but I mean, they definitely went for the three points, just adding every offensive piece they could. They didn't have any defenders on the bench for that game. That so I think you kind of knew what they're going to do. Mokhtar in general, I mean, he played on, what, the right this game. I think they move, if I remember correctly, they Santos like moved to the left at one point and Argudo came in the middle, but then Akam went to the left and yeah. Santos came back in the middle. So Mokhtar can, you know, their clips, he's playing on the left, he'll play in the middle. I think they'll just put him in where wherever he's needed in the attacking midfielder. Yeah, that's that's way, way too detailed for me. I was I was just like, oh, he hit the crossbar. Oh, he blew it over the crossbar. That kind of thing. I didn't know where Zardes Mokhtar was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he slid the ball across. I'm just saying, I, I was like, oh, they should have scored. I wasn't, oh, yeah. there's, there's, there's where Mokhtar is. It's, it's really that simple. Look at the <laughs> situations they're in, and if they, he plays a good enough ball for a score, that's what it is. Last question, then we'll wrap up. Why are so many of the crews... Wait, bat- are we ready to wrap up, Patrick? He, right. he says don't, yes. yes don't. I, I would go for another hour, maybe not an hour. Well, talk about microwave are, pizza. These are executive decisions. Don't make them on the snap here. You're, anyway, last, I'm not an executive. Last, last question. Why are so many of the crew's passes from midfield toward the attacking third directly to an opposing player, kind of what I was talking about with Santos? <laughs> Similarly, why does the crew always ha- only this is have... This cheeky. This is a good end to this question here. Similarly, why does the crew always only have one, maybe two targets in the box by design or misposition midfielders? That's, I think it totally depends on the run of play. If it's it's a quick counter or whatnot where guys are if they're coming back from you know a defensive transition maybe they only have one or two guys back but certainly I think that's been a thing this year they need to have more guys in the box I agree when the balls get on the flanks uh, that's one thing I have noted my feeble mind is actually grasped that it's like wait there's two on seven in the box right and I don't you can't score there right and I don't know enough about soccer but I mean I think of it in like basketball terms where if you don't have the numbers back it out get organized if you have one guy in the box do you, you know, pass it more up to the midfielder, wait for guys to get down and then go back to the flanks? I don't know. It's just things I've thought of. But definitely, they you see when they do have like three runners in the box, they'll get a good ball in with these new guys at the wing and, and get a shot on goal. So that's kind of where they're at. Boy, did, do they need to win this game this week, though. No question. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, too. And you're probably not aware of the love that crew fans have for Michael Bradley. I'm a little right. Didn't he say like, oh, the stadium's a dump? Yeah. Were you in the locker room when he did that? I wasn't, but I did hear the tape. Tom Reed, right? Yeah, I did hear. That was the cue in the end. Yeah, I did hear the tape. Maybe there'll be a TIFO for him. Yeah, that'd be cool. And TIFO Sweat is obviously the, you know what that is, right? It's the organization that it's the clutch of crew fans. I've used clutch too many times today. It is the group of crew fans who get together on Fridays to make the TIFO. Why sweat? Because they sweat. They have to ask it. Morgan. He, yeah, yeah. I got, I'll ask him. Do you expect there to be more fans in a game? Like, I just think looking at Saturday. They do a lot of work. Looking at Saturday's game, how do you come away from that and say, I'm not real interested in being a part of this? That's a leading question. Sure. But do I think there'll be more fans than there were two weeks ago? Sure. Okay. That answered my question for sure. I think it generated some excitement, though. Yes. Yeah. And, Even and, despite the draw. And they, I don't think they used it promotionally the way that they're using the second game in Cincinnati promotionally. Not that they ignored the promotional aspects of, of trying to lure new fans, but I think the concentration from the crew's point of view, the front office point of view, was to create a stadium experience. They did a lot to make that crowd enjoy their time in the stadium. I think that was their goal, and and I think 
in large part the game achieved that you know it absolutely was a, it was a crazy game patrick you got anything that's at the pod father too he's given us the neck slicing signal which means we're wrapping it up he's uh, excited about those four loco seltzers though and that's Jacob Myers, our crew beat writer. I'm Mike Ares. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to uh, follow uh, at Dispatch Alerts. I'm at Michael Ares1, at Jacob underscore Myers underscore 25, and at the Podfather 2. Jacob maintains a Facebook site or subsite for soccer fans, for crew fans specifically. So check that out. And also Dispatch.com, which is a, a compendium of all the stories that uh, we do on the crew throughout so that's it we'll join you again next week and we'll break down michael bradley trillium studs studs up trillium exclamation point wildflowers yes so there you go patrick kick us out of here